Welcome back to another episode of Chatting Chippewas. I'm your host, Adam Jackson. It is one of my favorite times of the year. November has arrived on the calendar, which means chaos, right? There's fall sports that are finishing up or in their final stretch. And then here come all the winter sports at Central Michigan as well. And we're starting to see some momentum. Central Michigan volleyball getting win after win and pushing towards that MAC tournament at the end of November. And then Central Michigan football picked up a big win on Halloween against Northern Illinois. And, of course, have the battle coming up against Western Michigan for the Victory Cannon Trophy. But today we are going to talk men's and women's basketball. And it is opening week as we drop this to you on a Monday. The men kick off their season tonight. It is third-year head coach Tony Barbie and the squad heading down to Oklahoma to take on the Sooners. And they've got a gauntlet, as we talk about with Coach Barbie, of a non-conference schedule. They'll play Florida State and South Florida. Creighton is ranked in the top ten to start the year. Head to Ohio State. Get a Valpo squad that will be tough. Got to go to Loyola, Chicago. I mean, it is jam-packed with tests. But as you'll hear coming up in this interview, Tony Barbie, you can hear the excitement. This is kind of the norm here in mid-major basketball nowadays with the transfer portal. You're basically changing roster season to season. Now, you may have some that stick around and less turnover, but as Coach Barbie builds the roster here, they are... Uh, pretty much a brand new team here. There's a couple of returners. Marcus Harding is back, Brian Taylor, along with Max Marley. But there's a lot of new faces. So he goes through some of those new faces, and uh, we'll get a chance to see him as the Chippewas, again, tip off here Monday night against Oklahoma. As for the Central Michigan women, they start brand new with first-year head coach Kristen Haney. And uh, 10 strong, a shorter bench for her, but uh, she likes the team that they have the buy-in, the work ethic, and uh, they will be challenged coming up this week as they head to South Alabama. They'll do a double dip on the road at South Alabama this Thursday and then at Bradley on Sunday before they get that home opener against Concordia on November 14th. So great to talk with both head coaches, Tony Barbie and Kristen Haney, coming up in this episode of Chatting Chippewas. Tony Barbie, third-year head men's basketball coach. It's about that time. You guys have been getting prepped. The season's almost here. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. What about you? Doing well. It's uh, November is a uh, crazy month. You got you got football going on. Wrestling has their first home meet. And then you guys obviously get started. So we got women's basketball as well. This is this is the place to be in November. I thought you were talking about the snow on, <laughs> on, on Halloween. You're talking about crazy time. I mean, I think last year, the Halloween football game, it was like 75 degrees. So, um, no, it's uh, it's always a great time of year when the when the seasons change, the weather, you know, we, we go from summer to, to fall and early winter here. Then, you know, winter sports are in the air and in particular basketball season's here. So, uh, we're excited, man. Um, excited about things. Got a good group. Got a good group of kids. And uh, so, we'll see how things play out. Does it feel weird that you're getting ready? I mean, it's weird for me to think you've already been here a couple of years and getting ready to start year three. Have you started to settle in a little bit here in Mount Pleasant as uh, the head man in charge? Yeah, I mean, that happens. That happened right away. I mean, I've, you know, what I tell everybody, I'm not a uh, 30, what was it, 34-year-old first-time head coach like I was in El Paso and, 
you know, that that was a complete blur because it's, you know, your first-time head coach. Everything is now on your desk and your decision. So you always think you're you're ready until you get that moment. And uh, But I've moved so much in this business, you know, it's it's just another day at the office for me. You know, like I tell people, whether you, you're working at, uh, at UCF in Orlando, you're not going to Disneyland every day, mm-hmm. you know, so it – it's uh, it's not where you're living. It's what you're doing with the 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 time, the people, the place that you're at. That's important. And uh, Mount Pleasant is home. It, it became home the moment I moved here. So, what do you like about uh, this place up here? You mentioned Mount Pleasant being home and Central Michigan University. Um, what does it bring to the table comparable to to other spots you've been able to? have your career in well I'm, I say I'm a small town guy I mean I growing up in Indy and obviously Indy's not a small town it's a big city even though it's got a kind of a small town feel to it uh, but all of my coaching stops have pretty much been in small towns other than say you know Lexington is Lexington's not New York City so even though it's bigger than this place it has mm. a small town feel uh, Memphis is very similar to Lexington even though it's bigger it has a in terms of population it has a small town feel and uh and even El Paso is bigger in terms of population. You're talking over 700,000 people in El Paso, but it's got a very, very small town feel. But all the other places have been small town, whether it was Amherst where I played and worked at it, UMass or Auburn, very very small college town, very similar to this. So um, I'm a small town guy, you know. But the best thing about being – I talked about it, you know, if you, if you lived in L.A. and you're working at UCLA, you're not going to the beach every day. You know, you've got a job to do, and uh, it's the same thing here. And if you need those things, the big city, Detroit's a couple hours away, Grand Rapids, you got the lake, you got the water, got great weather here in the summer, uh, shitty weather in the, <laughs> in, in, in the winter. Uh, even though I grew up in this environment, I still don't like the cold. doesn't make you like it. It doesn't get any easier when you get older. But uh, you, you're at a place where people love the university and they love their sports teams. And now we've got to do our part to – like I said, from day one, we've got to rekindle that fire with basketball to get people excited where they want to come out every single day and cheer for this group and cheer for these kids because they're pouring their heart out um, for this place. I know you've mentioned this. You're really excited about this group that you have. And um, what is it? Like, what, what has got you most pumped up about this crew you've been working with every single day to get ready for that opener against Oklahoma? Well, it's, it's you know, it's the uh, it's the deepest team. Um uh, you know, we, we've got a team that's probably got 10 starters on it. You know, that's a deep team. Um, you know, we've been uh, – unfortunately, I was excited about last year's team, but it's hard to sustain through the injuries, especially to a, a level of player that Kevin Miller is, who was on the, on the team last year and has since left. Um, a preseason player of the year candidate, you lose him four games in, I don't care where you're at, you lose a player of that caliber, you're going you're gonna to have some setbacks. And, and unfortunately, we did, and uh, – and and so, but this year's team has been built to sustain any any kind of whatever it is injuries, setbacks, whatever. With our depth, we've got uh, you'll like this for a basketball team, Adam. We've got more than one guy on the team that can dribble. <laughs> so if he gets hurt, we we won't have problems bringing it up the floor. We've got more than one guy on the team that can shoot. We've got a plethora of guys that can make. And you saw it through the exhibition games. We've got. Um, shooters all across the floor. Our best shooter didn't play in either exhibition game, and he should be back for the Oklahoma game. Shane Simpson is by far. We've got, you know, you leave the exhibition game, you're going, wow, man, these guys can really shoot. 
shoot from range with distance, and, and he is by far our best three-point shooter, Shane Simpson. So it'll be exciting for everybody to get a look at him. Um, we've got we're, – we're not as big as we were across the front line, but we got versatility across the front line at the four and five position with, uh, with, with Marcus being back, obviously, his brother Hunter, the freshman. Um, he's kind of making his way as a freshman through some nicks and some, some knacks and some different things that have been bothering him physically. But hopefully he's getting closer to 100% as we go to Oklahoma. Um, K.J. Odor brings us great presence as a backup across that front line at his size. And um, I don't care who you play, when you go out and get 12 rebounds like he did in the game, like he did against Allman, he went after it. I love his physicality and his presence. And he's, he's better offensively around the basket that people give him credit for. He's got a nice touch. Now he's just trying to get a better feel for the game overall in general. But across the board, we're just we're deep. We've got depth at every position. We've got versatility. We got, we've got bigger guards outside of uh, uh, Bryce uh, Eaton, the freshman. All of our guards are pretty big and physical and long. And you're talking Caden Vasco at a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, combo 1-2. I mean, that's great size for, for our level and our league. Um, Aiden Rubio. Uh, boy, we're excited about Aiden. I mean, you, I think our whole uh, university and, and CMU family are excited about Aiden coming out of the exhibition games. He is a he's a talent. He's an offensive talent. He's gifted offensively. Can score at all three levels at the rim. He's got a great mid-range floater, spin, pull-up jumper game, and uh, he can shoot the ball with the range. So we're excited about Aiden. And then when you add Shaden Simpson along that kind of backcourt, also at six seven and long and rangy and bouncy and athletic, and him being shooting well over 40% on his high school, high school team last year at Combine Academy, a guy that brings a lot of, you know, different things to our team range um, and scoring ability. Jamal Davis, the junior college player um, out of Florida, 6'9 and long and athletic, and you start to see, man, is he skilled. He got to can put it on the floor. He can shoot it with range. He, he's got a nice little kind of, we call it, we call it flip game where you drive it and flip on the guy. Now you start to back him down. He can, he's got up and unders. He's got different moves. He's got a good pull up down there. So, you know, we we've got a we've got a deep team that that gives us a chance to play a lot of different styles. With this team, and it's it's kind of the way of college basketball right now at the mid major level. You're getting new faces because there is so much turnover with transfer portal and NIL, and I I know you completely understand it. So with this new squad. How is the chemistry coming together as they start to form that identity here early on in the season once you guys get rolling? Well, we, we work hard every year to create a culture and an identity and a buy-in and a connectedness um, and a brotherhood. Um, and then the, we all earn, uh, yearn for yesteryear of the team staying together and players staying for four years. And now those, that connectedness happens over the course of a four-year window of teams growing together over one, two, three, four years. But though that horse is out of the barn, and unfortunately it's not coming back. And so now you just have that timeline is sped up. And uh, you have to do it. It's a year-to-year -year process. And this, um, knock on wood, without a doubt, is the most connected team we've had since we've been here. And we've got a, we've got a team of not only really good players – but we got a team of really good people. And when you have good people that are about things that are bigger than them and not just the name on the back of the jersey, the name on the front, and being a part of something that – no, I say it all the time to our teams. This isn't bowling. This isn't golf. This isn't tennis. If it's all about you, go play those sports. You don't have to worry about anybody else. But this is a team sport. You've got to be 
you've got to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of your own glory for the betterment of the team, of the unit. Um, and then when you do that, you have a group of brothers who are playing next to you for each other, not just for themselves. That's what makes things different and special. And this team uh, has that. But we, it's just something we gotta, we've got to keep monitoring and growing every single day. Another part of your program you've always taught is unselfishness, yes, on the offensive end, but also defensively, making those sacrifices to play that connected defense and, and get those rebounds. Um, how do you feel this group has done so far on that end of the floor? Really good. We've got a good mix, even though we don't have a veteran team in terms of returners. We do have a veteran team in terms of older players in college basketball who have a love and a passion for defense. Brian Taylor really has a fire to play defense and has gotten better as a team defender, so he's helping the younger kids. Marcus Harding, our starting five-man, uh, who was with us last year. It's what you want to see from a sophomore to a junior, you, consistency and growth and, and an understanding of – you're not having to teach him uh, things that are brand new. He has it. And now you're, you're just sharpening those tools. And then he's spreading it to the younger guys to help them grow. Uh, Anthony Pritchard, the Terrence Fur from Tulsa. Boy, is he the – he is the best on-ball defender that we've had since I've been at CMU. He really, really, really takes pride. He has a mental toughness, a physical toughness to want to shut down the other team's guard. And any good team that's good defensively, Starts with a great on-ball defender at the point, and that's Anthony Pritchard. And uh, and so this team, again, it, it shows our, our willingness to sacrifice, and sacrificing unselfishness is not just an offensive trait. Like you said, it's a defensive trait, knowing that I'm just not worried about guarding my man like you're in high school. And if you, if if somebody else gets beat, that's his problem. He got beat, and his man will score 40 that game. That can't be it in college basketball. It's got to be a team defense, and this team has taken on that personality, that identity, and I think it is shown through the first two exhibition games. I mean, you know, I think both Northwood and Alma will be good at their level. And, and the Alma team is better. Now they had a couple key pieces missing that were sitting on the bench in street clothes, a little injured. injured. But no team that I've had in those first two years could have done what we did to Alma that first game. And it wasn't because we – yeah, we scored a lot of points. But we scored a lot of points because we guarded the heck out of them and gave them one shot and gang rebounded and got out in transition and did a lot of good, good things early in the clock. Do you think this team, and, and maybe you've answered it because I can tell the excitement you have, this team has the chance to be one of those Tony Barbie identity squads that you've had in the past, whether as an assistant or a head coach? Yeah, early on it's trending that way, but it's still to be seen. I mean, we got a hard uh, non-conference schedule again, starting with Oklahoma on Monday night. Um, so it's, you know, you we're going to have to prove it against higher competition. You typically want to – you know, not play the Division twos and Division threes of the world, but some not quite the Power Five coming out of the gate so you can kind of build momentum and, and get that chemistry under heat and under fire the real games. But, you know, this team seems ready to be thrown into the fire. And, then not, you know, we'll that's why they call it sports. We'll, we'll see what the outcome is on Monday night. But this team has shown that collective willingness to get down and guard to, together and sacrifice and communicate and, and trust – um, but we just we got to keep growing it because it's nowhere. Tell people, yeah, we're ahead of the curve of where we've been the last two years, this time of the year. But we're nowhere the kind of right now the kind of team that we're going to be starting out November six on that first kickoff with Oklahoma. We're nowhere near the team that we're going to be on December the sixth, or nowhere near the team we're going to be on January the sixth. And uh, by the time we hit mid January, early February. We should be we should be humming on all cylinders, and I think once this team 
starts to it has all the makeup and makings of being one of those teams that can put it all together. I was wondering if you lost a bet or something. I mean, Oklahoma, uh, Florida State, uh-huh. Creighton, Ohio State. You've seen the schedule numerous times. I mean, that's a gauntlet for a younger team. Although they're talented, it sounds like they're going to grow up here pretty quick. Yeah, it's twofold. You know, it, obviously at CMU we got some financial challenges, so we got to help pay the bills uh, for everybody through our, you know, raising money through our budget, through the, by those guarantee games. But also on the flip side of it, if you're a competitor like I am, you don't want to play the cupcakes of the world just to stack up wins. You uh, you want to compete against the best. And um, to be able to recruit at a higher level at this place, you got to have a schedule that attracts that kind of talent that they know they can come here and get an opportunity to play against the best. Um, and so that's, those are the two things when, you, when we put together a schedule. But it's not been any different than my first two years when we played Gonzaga and Kentucky and – Missouri that first year or last year with the with the schedule I mean it's 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 been the same this year's probably we've had, we've done one more um obviously Creighton being that team that's that really stands out because they're top five and they've got those lottery picks returning to their lineup that's going to be a real challenge but they're whether it's 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 Davenport or it's it's Oklahoma they're all a challenge because there's a lot of good coaches out there and a lot of good players from when this team came together um, to where it is now, as you, you know, we record this before you guys head out to Oklahoma and, and take on the Sooners, where have you seen them grow the most in just this short period of time leading up to the season? I mean, the biggest growth has been the connectedness. We've really harped on it. We've really preached on it that, you know, to be great teams are connected teams. And it can be to be connected, you've got to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of your own but you're only willing to do that, Adam, if you know that person that you're you're playing next to on the court, or sitting next to in the locker room, um, or living with in the dorm room next to you. You've got to truly know that person to want to sacrifice and form, and more than just their first and last name. That's not knowing them, knowing who they are, knowing where they come from, knowing their family, knowing their siblings, knowing their pets and their pets' names, knowing their their biggest uh, achievements in their life or their biggest heartbreaks or their why. Why do they do this? Why do they have these goals and dreams that they might have that they want to achieve through basketball or in life? Like getting down to the nitty-gritty of really getting to know each other. And if when you know somebody, then you have a commitment with them and you have a connection with them. And when you're connected, you're willing to sacrifice. So we've really, we've really honed in on that this year, and uh, this team has really bought into it. Is that part of the – I mean, you're always wanting to, to get to know your guys and who your team is, but is that part of the adaptation to this new style of college basketball where you said it's kind of sped up and you may have a year or two and then a guy maybe goes or maybe you have to bring somebody in so you're trying to get to know the players better quicker? And it's not so much me getting to know them because me and my staff know them already because yeah. we got to we've got to you know you start to learn about people quickly through the recruiting process. It is the it is the team members getting to them getting to know each other and connecting. So you're willing to sacrifice that probably has been sped up where you would let it probably more happen organically over the course of one to two classmates coming in and now two to three to four years of being together, you, you're you going to get to know that you see the kid, you see your teammates' mm-hmm. parents come to the game, the, those parents say hi to you, you know their names, you know where they – like it's just, it happens almost organically. Now 
you, you've got to force it. You've got to force it through different activities that you make the team do to, uh, of getting them to know each other, of having them interview each other. And then they've got to introduce them, not themselves, they've got to introduce their teammate. And then now the other teammates get to hear somebody else talk about them other than themselves. Like we do a lot of different team activities to build that connection, that camaraderie, and then that ultimate buzzword that people talk about in college or athletics in general is culture to build that culture that, that creates that buy-in of we are a connected team playing for something bigger than ourselves. When you took this job to now, um, and it's tough because this is, I mean, you walked into a new era where there is so much transition and everything, and it's something that you and all of these coaches are dealing with that's brand new. But is there, where is the progress? Do you see a progression from when you took this job to now, even though you've got new players and new faces that have come in here compared to when you got here uh, back in 2021? Um, you're talking about within the program? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's – this is usually – I tell people, you know, I go back to if in my U, in my UTEP days when I – my first time as a head coach and I got that opportunity at a very, very young age for a college basketball head coach. And you think you're prepared, but you never are. And it, stuff is flying at you a 1,000 miles an hour. And you, you ha you're learning on the job training. And now this is at, you know, not to tell my age, but I'm, I'm 50 plus. Um, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a wisdom that comes with experience that I now have. This is my third head coaching opportunity. I've coached in college basketball, head coach, assistant coach at high level, mid-major level. Um, so I've kind of seen it and done it all. So if this was my first opportunity as a head coach after year two, we all want it, especially me. I'm the ultimate competitor. I hate winning. I hate losing more than I like winning. So I want the timeline to be sped up on how we're able to turn this program around and put it on top of the MAC. And uh, that day is coming. Um, I wanted it to happen year one. It should have advanced further. Even though we did, we won more games. We won the big game in Michigan last year. So there is advancement. But I want more consistency out of it. And uh, – and this should be that year. This is typically in, in the transition of year one to year two. Year three is usually that breakthrough, that real growth. I thought we could have had it last year if little Boopy, little Kevin Miller doesn't get injured. That growth got stunted because of his injury. Knock on wood, we can keep the guys healthy, keep this team plugging and moving forward and connected. And uh, we'll see. You got to play. The, that's why you play the games on the schedule. But this should be a year that this, that this team breaks through. How about about this conference? I know you're going to start with this non-conference gauntlet and you'll get into MAC play come the new year, but you've been around college basketball. You grew up in Indy. You know about the MAC and the Midwest, but what have you learned or, or what have you found out about this conference being a head coach in it the last couple of years? Nothing new that I didn't already know. <laughs> it's a hard conference. Yeah. It's, it's in this modern state of college athletics, in college basketball, this is as good of a of a of a basketball league with really good coaches who are really good X and O's guys, really good players all over the place um, that's made even harder knowing most likely there's nobody going to get an out of, out of, uh, out of uh, conference bid to the NCAA tournament, so you're going to have to earn it through that conference tournament, which is, boy, it's potluck. It's potluck. I mean, you see the, the, regular, season, the regular season winner – 
has not won the conference tournament since I've been in, in the conference for two years. I don't know. If, I haven't really looked to study if that's been the case. But that's the case in most conference tournaments, that the guy who – the teams that win the regular season don't go on to win the conference tournament. And you're – no matter how your non-conference schedules bid or how, however your conference schedule goes. Now, in our league, because everybody doesn't get a bid to the conference tournament, you do have to do some things to earn that right to play in the postseason in the conference tournament. But – when you get to that conference tournament, anything can happen, and anybody can win because the favorite hasn't won in a year. And you look at us our first year where we should have knocked off the favorite in that first game of Toledo that year. Um, so we just got to give ourselves a chance to put ourselves in position. And what I've learned and is what I've already known, that this is a hard league. Good coaches, good home court advantages, um, good players. And so you better be ready every game to compete. Preseason MAC poll came out earlier this week. Uh, you see the Chippewas pick 12. Do you use that as motivation? Do you tell the guys about, hey, this is what they think of us, even though it's usually based on teams and the experience they bring back? Or, or what's your message or what do you take from it? No. Uh, it doesn't concern me whether we were picked first or last. If you're basing the success of your season on what other people start think of you before you ever play a game, and if you have to use that for motivation, you're not going to be any good anyway. So I haven't talked about it one bit with our team. And I tell our team not to talk about it, not to think about it. Because um, you should never – if you're not going to take advice from other – from people, when I talk about people on so, social media and turning off your mentions, turning, turning off your conversation, and if you're not going to take um, praise from somebody you don't know, then don't take criticism either from that same person. So, um, obviously, you know, we want to put ourselves in a position every year where we're viewed as one of those teams that re regardless of who you've got coming back or coming in, they know that uh, they're in for a dogfight when they face uh, CMU basketball. And, uh, you know, the one thing you'll, I'll say about it is because we're in this portal in, 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 in NIL generation that, Nobody knows who we have. Nobody knows. Now, the biggest disappointment I had was not about our team, was that Brian Taylor was not picked in one of the first two preseason all-league teams. Are you kidding me? I mean, you're talking about a guy that for two years, especially last year, averaged almost 15, 16 points a game, six, seven rebounds a game, one of the best players in our league for two years, and he gets disrespected, shows a disrespect towards our program. Well, we've got to, we got to go change that with how we perform on the floor. You kind of like that underdog role, or is it still same message, don't worry about it, we're just going to do it from within? Yeah, same, same message. Like, our motivation is not trying to prove anybody wrong. Our motivation is to live up to our potential. And um, the only way you do that is if you live up to it every single day in practice and you compete at a level with each other every single day in practice. So now when you step on the court against another team, doesn't matter who that is in the other jersey. We're bringing our best, and our best has to be good enough. And we're prepared, and we're ready to compete and sacrifice. And if you know, if we run out of, if we lose, it's only because we ran out of time, not because we stopped fighting and competing. And if you do that on a consistent basis, day in and day out, you're going to have more victories than you do defeats. A lot of games coming up this year, but number one is Oklahoma on Monday, November 6th. So as you bring in a new squad, uh, talented, there's the depth, and uh, hopefully most of the, the guys can suit up. What are you specifically looking for night one, game one? Well, 
you you want to see you want to see a collective confidence. This is isn't on one person's shoulder. This isn't on Brian Taylor's shoulder and how he goes, we go. This has got to be a collective deal. And I want to see us, boy, these guys have worked their tail off from when this process started back in June. They have worked their tail off in, in the weight room, on their conditioning, on their games, on our team and team building and defense and offense. You want to see those guys go out there together with a collective swagger and confidence that is not fake. It's earned. And then now you roll the you you put you roll the dice out there. Now you see which team is the best, regardless of where you're playing. And you've heard me say this a thousand times. It does not matter where you're playing. The court is the same distance and measure same measurements. The baskets are all ten feet. And whether you're playing at Oklahoma or you're playing on a neutral site or wherever you're playing, or you're playing in the playground, it does not matter. I mean, what do I keep telling? I always tell my teams, what are the fans? Are these fans coming out of the stands? They're going to attack you. Who cares about who they're – when they're yelling and screaming and cheering, think that makes, make them, you think that they're cheering for you. That's what's the attitude. So, And that's why historically my teams have been better on the road than sometimes that they've been in home, at home for that reason because we go on the court with that same confidence. Sometimes teams at home put more pressure on themselves because they're playing in front of their friends and family and, and, uh, and student body members, and so they put more pressure on themselves on the road. Everything's against you, so just go out there and let it fly. And I want to see us, our, Gus, go out on Monday night and play with the confidence that these guys have earned through the hard work that they put in this preseason. With that said, last question for you. That first home game, where you get those home supporters, is uh, November 11th. Uh, as you get to play two games in this opening week, it's going to be the first of that MAC SBC challenge against Louisiana Monroe. But why should fans come out, or, or how much does it impact to have that, that crowd behind you inside McGurk Arena as you, you hope to see the maroon and gold throughout the season here? Well, I've said day one, Adam, that um, how I look at the fans and how I want my team to look at the fans, they are, they are a part of our team. They're not separate entities, too. They are the fans, the student crowd attendants, the season ticket holders, the CMU family. They are just as important – to me and my team as my starting point guard and my starting center. They're no different. And all you got to do is look at la the last – the first two years of my tenures, Western Michigan games. We don't win either one of those games without our, our, our fans, and especially last year. They had, a, they had a, a good enough team. We had a good enough team. And, you know, even though we didn't have all of our parts because of injury, but – that team got – I mean, that crowd got us over the hump. So they are a crowd like that, and it shouldn't be the toilet paper that drives people out to the, to the court. It should not be West Michigan because that's a rival that drives people out. People should be coming out on a game-to-game on a -game basis to, to support this program and support this team, and especially this team because this is, as, this is the neatest group of kids that I've been around. I'm talking about the care factor. They care about this university. They care about this, their team, and they care about their teammates. They, they do things the right way. Um, they're unselfish. They're competitive. They have fun together. For the people who have witnessed that through the first two exhibition games, and I'm getting a lot of positive feedback that people are like, yeah, this team is different. And so now we just get, we got to do our part to continue to put that product out on the floor. And then the more – people are there the more impact they have on our program and then they have on the outcome of that game and then I need them to spread the word as they start to witness them themselves with this team and is what I want our program to be about year in and year out that this is a team that's playing for CMU and not playing for the name on the back of the jersey. 
Well, it's great to great to have you back, and we're going to be seeing you more and more. Basketball season is here, and uh, by the way, I know it's a difficult opponent, but Matt DeVries and I appreciate Oklahoma, 75 and Sunday on Monday. So <laughs> thanks for getting us out of the snow. Is that right? I, mean, <laughs> I haven't even looked yet, so i got to pack my suitcase appropriately. Matt texted me today, 75 and sunny, so oh, we're looking goodness, forward to yeah, going down yeah, there. Winter. Uh, Winter's officially here in, in Mount Pleasant, <laughs> officially. Yes, it is. So pack McGurk and come out, support this team, and uh, looking forward to watching you guys play starting on Monday, November 6th. Tony, thanks for your time. Okay. See you out in Norman. First-year head coach, Kristen Haney. Welcome, and uh, how are you feeling heading into the season? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, feeling great. You know, I think the girls are, are really working hard. Um, for the most part, we're, we don't ever have to coach effort, which is a great thing. Um, you know, we all love coming to work every day and coaching them, and we're just trying to get better every day. How's it been for you? This job became yours in late April, and from April now to November, take us through the process, the steps to get ready for opening week, which is coming up in a few days. Yes, it's been um, very hectic, um, you know, getting the staff and as well as recruiting, as well as getting our team better, um, you know, and just going out in the community, um, you know, talking to donors and season ticket holders and you know, our girls have done a really good job of, of going out in the community and, you know, we keep track of it and we got an update on our hours as a team and, you know, we're in first place at Central for athletics for the team that has the most community hours. So, you know, getting out in the community is very important to us. Um, so just everything, you know, that comes with coaching and, you know, stuff that you don't have to do physically, but your mind is just there, you know, thinking about everything. Uh, it's been really busy, but it's been really good. Is that community aspect something you learned being an assistant under Coach G when you were here and just seeing how much this place embraces the culture and just the family that is women's basketball? Absolutely. Um, you know, Coach G, I remember when I was um, first day on the job as an assistant, um, she took me to lunch and it was just everyone driving by, walking by. We were at Max and Emily sitting outside, and everyone knew her, you know, and it just is a testament to her, you know, and what she's done, um, creating this culture, creating the the community, the um, atmosphere, and and then Heather continued it, you know, um, continuing to get fans in the stands, and, and it's really important. I mean, we have a hashtag, we are one. And it's not just with our team and our staff, it's with the community, right? Like, as we win, we all win, um, you know, and it's very, very important for us to continue to give back to those that continue to support us and, um, you know, whether it's win or lose through the thick and thin, they're with us. Tell us about this group of 10 that you got this year. It's a smaller group, but I know you, you like the way that they're connecting and, and the way that they're putting in effort and obviously the buy-in part for a new staff and a first-year head coach, that's important too. Definitely. Um, you know, you, you get nervous as a coach when you have a short bench, but, you know, sometimes it, it's a good thing as well. Um, you know, we really talk to the girl, the women about, um, you know, f rehab and continuing to just take care of their bodies and, and eating a healthy diet and sleeping. And, you know, there's 10 of us that are that are playing and we got to keep everybody healthy. Um, so that's been good. Um, obviously, they're they're college college players so you know they like to um hang out at night not necessarily go out but just you know they like they don't like to go to bed <laughs> you mm -hmm. know they like to be up and be on their tiktoks and everything 
Um, so just trying to get their priorities straight because, you know, we have a long season. We have 10 players, and um, the buy-in has been amazing. Uh, like I said earlier, we haven't had to coach effort too much, and um, they're sponges. They want to learn. They want to get better. They're in the gym extra with, with our coaches. Um, so it's been really good. It's been great to see how, how much better we've gotten from day one. Okay, I got to note, is Coach Haney now being a coach? Because I know you're not a huge social media person. Do, do you <laughs> have a TikTok to, to join in on the fun? Not yet. <laughs> no TikTok yet. Um, you know, it, it's I like them to have fun and everything. Maybe one of these days. They actually haven't gotten on me about getting a TikTok yet. Um, but I'm sure those days that day's coming. Um, but that's because they're posting about you and you, they don't want you to know about it. Probably. That's true. That's probably exactly <laughs> what's going on. Um, we got, you know, twin on staff and she, she's on TikTok, So she kind of keeps us in the loop a little bit. Okay. She's the undercover person for you. Yep. Uh, there, there's a good mix here. You've got some new pieces, but you also have, um, some players that are coming back from last year. How do you like the blend of this squad? Uh, definitely. I think we have a really good inside, um, you know, presence with, with Roe and Dej and then, um, you know, throw our 6'5 freshman in there, Desiree, and she hasn't had a lot of experience playing AAU, um, so she doesn't have a lot of um, just playing experience, teaching experience. Um, so we're really excited about her future. Um, if she keeps working, she's going to be really good. She has really good mentors in Roe and Dej. They've really taken her under their wings, and um, and and she's coachable. You know, Desiree's listening. She's coachable. She soaks it in. So that's very encouraging. And then, you know, the transfer with Madison Wardell. And from DePaul, she's a Michigan kid, um, and I recruited her at Michigan State, so I know her family and her really well. Um, you know, so she's just – obviously, it's a new – it's a new system – um, and so she's getting used to the system. Unfortunately, she had an injury. She was out about two months, you know, in the summertime. So she's now starting to get the system uh, on the offensive end and defensive end. And then we got a freshman point guard. Um, you know, she's a freshman. She has a lot to learn, too. Um, but, you know, we really liked how she came out in the exhibition game and gave us a really good spark off the bench. Um, so, you know, and then the returners, just continuing with the process and um, and staying positive, we are hopeful. At the moment, we have nine players playing. You know, Capria transferred midway through last year, um, trying to get her approved for a waiver. So we do have ten healthy bodies, but we might have to start with nine. Um, and then Capria, after first semester is over, where she can come back and and be a part of the team. Is there a way that you handle just with it being a shorter bench this year about I mean, you can't go in hoping or trying, I guess, to avoid injuries, but is, is it a lighter workflow to make sure that you keep the legs fresh? Or, or how do you handle this, not the, the normal amount of, you know, 13 to 15 bodies like you'd probably be accustomed to? Yeah, we definitely have to manage practices. And, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have four or five uh, scout boys that come every morning, which is awesome, um, to help us. I mean, without them, it would be really difficult um, to practice and, and to keep our bodies and our legs fresh. Um, so that we're very thankful for, for them and grateful. So, you know, just not running them out of the gym. Um, we, we just have to manage it. It's a long season. Uh, Nicole, our strength and conditioning coach, does an amazing job with them as well. Um, we all 
are on the same page and, and meet weekly, you know, about what's best for the players and everything. So it's it's been a good balance. One of the things that's so important, I mean, for these student-athletes that have so much going on with school and coming to practice and everything is just making sure they, they stay positive. They're excited about getting to play a game. It's supposed to be fun. That's what sports are. How do you keep the, the energy up, or what's been your process of leading them into the season and making sure they're staying positive and focused on the task coming up here? Yeah, I mean, we like to have fun in practice, too, um, you know, to, to just keep it light um, sometimes. And we'll demonstrate a drill, and they'll be like, Coach K, how about you demonstrate it? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so it's like taking a charge or diving on the ground. Um, so, you know, I would I would sacrifice my body, and they would really enjoy that. Um, so that's, you know, it's a way of keeping it fresh, keeping it light. Um, but just maintaining their, their balance. I mean, academics is first, and – you know, we, we get a, a sheet every week of what is due that week, whether it's they have midterms, exams, big projects, big papers. So we know the week ahead and, you know, maybe a player is a little bit stressed out. She's a little off. So we look at, you know, the academics and it's like, oh, that, that, that there's a reason she has three exams this week. Um, and so, you know, we give grace and, you know, we know there's a lot on their plate and to be a division one athlete, is tough you know it's tough to balance everything um it's tough to be 100 percent in academics and on the court and social life and so we know it. i mean we were all players and we've been in college before we know how difficult it is so we definitely you know make sure that we know what their week ahead is like and um and we're here to help them and they know that we are coach g would always say guard play wins you games in March and obviously we know about the tremendous accolades you had as a point guard at Michigan State and then in the WNBA I know you're a head coach and you got to take care of the whole team but is there still a special place in your heart about your point guard or your guard play to, to see where they're at and help mentor them to continue to grow and get better Definitely. Um, <clears throat> we have three assistant coaches on our staff, and they were all post players. So <laughs> <laughs> they they don't like when we talk about guard play wins <laughs> championships and is important in March. But obviously, we have the ball more in our hands. Um, and so definitely the point guard position is, is very important. Um, we had role meetings this past week, and, you know, just talking to our point guards, you know, Lisa Tesson is, is not a natural point guard. She, she wants to be on the, on the wing, you know, playing the two position. Um, but with our roster and our numbers this is what it is right now, and she's got to be um, point primarily. And then working with, you know, T.O. Ortiz, as well, um, just telling them that they have to be the loudest on the floor. You know, you watch the championship teams, and they have great point guards that are great leaders. Um, and so we definitely have, have talked about them projecting and, and being um, the loudest ones on the floor and demanding the team. Um, you know, now that the system is in and they've been a part of it for five or six months now, you know, getting them more comfortable um, with everything and with me, you know, as a coach. and. You know, watching film with the point guards, you know, showing them what I see and what we want to do better uh, within our team and, and being on the court with them. You know, I think head coaches don't spend a lot of time on the court, especially with their point guards. And that's something I still like to do. And I love player development. We love it here. Um, so for me to be on the court as well and help them out in any way I can, um, we like doing that as well. One of the other things as you come in as a first-year head coach and staff is on top of the buy-in, you, you need that player-led focus, right? Those captains, those leaders on the floor that you're talking about, talking more 
Are you seeing that start to matriculate as this season comes up with certain players stepping up and kind of taking that vocal role? Definitely. Um, you know, Roe and, and Dej are captains, and, um, you know, Dej more so just being so consistent since day one, um, communicating. She's the energy on our team, and um, and she has a lot of influence, and the players um, – you know, respect her. And so it's been great to have her lead and, um, you know, talking to Ro about you can step up and help lead. And so Ro has taken it seriously and she's been doing a, a, a better job of leading. And it's more so not so much as a group, but individuals, um, you know, taking the, the new c the new players under her wing and more of a one-on-one -on -one leadership type um <coughs> mentality. But you know, those two work really well together. They have really good chemistry, um, and it's great. I mean, sometimes you're on teams where there isn't player-led teams and you don't have any leaders. Um, so this is really awesome that we do have two capable leaders. And, and honestly, leadership is, I mean, captain is just a title. You know, we have leaders that can step up. Capria um, is vocal and, you know, knows the game, and, and, and she can she can be a leader in her own way as well. Um, and then Madison Wardell, she's come into a new system and a new team, and she's really talking and, and communicating, and she's not just coming in being quiet. You know, she's giving us some energy as well now that she's healthy. Um, so, yeah, just getting the point guards to be a little bit more vocal um, consistently will help us tremendously. We're going to find out here once your team starts playing here, um, but what do you expect the identity of this uh, first-year squad to be? Our defense, we have to. We we can control it. We can control it every game with our, our, our attitude and our effort. Um, obviously, sometimes the ball just doesn't go in the, in the hoop. You know, we shoot 30%, but we can still win with our defense. Um, so defending and rebounding have been huge for us. Um, you know, in our exhibition game, we, you know, we had 24 offensive rebounds. So that's the key for us is, is getting offensive rebounds, getting defensive rebounds so we can start our break. We want to play fast, but we our defense, it starts with that. And, you know, we talked about the short bench and, you know, not a lot of players. We do want to press, but we can't sustain that the whole game with the bodies we have right now. Um, so we'll throw it in, you know, every now and then to change it up. But we definitely talk about defense. And after scrimmages, after exhibition games, um, we watch defense. You know, the first day we will watch our ourselves and critique ourselves on defense, and the next day we'll watch offense because we want our defense to be important. I imagine with the short bench, too, as you go from practicing to then getting into – the season and all the grind that it is, conditioning is going to be a huge part too because uh, a lot of these players are going to be soaking up some minutes. How has been? How has that aspect been as you head from practice, 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 then into the games starting next week? Yeah, um, like I said, if, if we don't get enough conditioning and practice because sometimes we got to teach, um, you know, still trying to put in new plays and it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to put in. Um, and I don't think people understand what goes into just putting plays in and let's go. Like, it's it's not that simple. Um, so we really have to break it down and teach. And, um, you know, we just tell the girls, you know, act like a pro. Like, you get in, get on the alter G, get on the treadmill, do extra conditioning with our strength and conditioning coach because sometimes some practices we won't be able to get up and down as much as we would like. So, you know, they're doing a good job of that. And like I said, we have weekly meetings with, Steph, our athletic trainer, and Nicole, and we're making sure we're all on the same page. 
I imagine it's been a whirlwind for you, as you mentioned. There's a ton that you have to do to get ready for uh, taking over a, a head coaching spot and getting ready for that season. But as your first opportunity as a head coach, how have you enjoyed it so far? It's awesome. I love coming to work. Um, you know, you love. I love who I work with. Our staff is great. They're driven. They're passionate. They work hard. Most importantly, they care about the players. Um, you know, having relationships outside of the court, we're, we're continuing to establish that. You know, we take them out to lunch, um, continuing to get to know them. And like I said, it's the girls are buying in. You know, the, the women have done a really good job of trusting us in, in the process. And we tell them it's not going to happen overnight. It's a one step at a time as long as we get better. And, you know, at the end of practice, most of the time we're like, did we win the day, right? Did we win the day? Did we do well? Did we get better? Um, and that's just not on the floor, but in the weight room too. You know, we, we lift after we practice uh, most days. And just because we have a, a long, uh, hard two-hour practice doesn't mean now we go to the weight room and just go through the motion. So, you know, really talking about winning the day, um, not only on the basketball floor, but off as well. I know you had the um, exhibition against Davenport, and I think another scrimmage coming up before game one against South Alabama on the road. But what what are you looking for? What are those expectations just as you watch your team compete for that first time in the regular season opener down there in Mobile that you would like to see? Yeah, you said it, compete. You know, I think some players, some teams play hard, but do they compete? Um, so just getting our, our players to compete and really defense. Yeah, we want to be better in our scrimmage coming up. Um, we have a close scrimmage, and we want to be better than we were in our exhibition game. Um, you know, we want to see that progress in, in our defensive effort um, and just being smart. I think sometimes we're undisciplined, and we, we do stuff that we, we're not supposed to do, and then it burns us. So just being disciplined on defense and rebounding. You know, everyone boxing out on the defensive end. Sometimes we, we leak out and, and we get after them. So, you know, getting out of those habits and making sure everyone boxes out, gang rebound so we can start our break and play fast. You know, there's good mojo down in Mobile. Football went down there, picked up a win earlier in the season, so hopefully you guys can keep it rolling. We definitely will. I, I'm excited for that. We'll, we'll keep it rolling. We're excited for, um, you know, the road trip. We're going to be road warriors because we only have two non-conference home games. Um, so after Mobile, we'll go right to Peoria, Illinois, to stay on the road because we'll play them as well on Sunday. Um, so we just it's a great test for us. We're excited, um, and it's about time the season's here. We're excited. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last question for you. You mentioned it. You guys will be road warriors, but that first home game and that home atmosphere in McGurk is November 14th against uh, Concordia. Tell the fans why this is a team that they need to invest in and come out and check out this season. Absolutely, Adam. Investing is huge. And, you know, we want to put a product out on the floor where they love cheering for. You know, win or lose, they, they're walking out of there like, man, those women play hard. You know, we want to be diving on loose balls, um, being unified, you know, being together, um, playing together, moving the ball, sharing the ball. Um, you know, and then they just see our defensive effort and rebounding. You know, we're committed to to that, and so we're going to put a product on the floor they're going to be excited to cheer for. Okay, I got one more, and I know coaches don't like to look ahead, but I'm going to ask anyways because I am your <laughs> 517 brethren over here. Yep. Uh, there's a game on the schedule coming up in mid-December where you get to go back home to your alma mater in Michigan State. How excited are you once we do get to that part of the schedule just to go back and compete down there against uh, the Spartans? 
Yeah, it's I don't know. We'll see when it comes <laughs> up, but it's it's very exciting. Um, I would have never thought you don't. I mean, you don't know where life takes you, but you know to to go into to Breslin Center that that we all know so well. Um, it's going to be a fun game. I'm really excited. Looking forward to the atmosphere. I tell my Michigan State friends and family, you can cheer for the maroon and gold. Mm -hmm. One game, <laughs> one game, you can cheer for us. So, you know, hopefully, I know some some Spartan fans will put on a, a gold shirt. You know, so we're definitely looking forward to that. It's going to be a really good atmosphere. Susie Merchant, we're talking directly to you. You can wear the maroon and gold that day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, coach. <laughs> yes, you can. All right, Kristen Haney, first-year head coach. Best of luck this season, and can't wait to watch this team perform under you. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you having me. Well, as you can see, two excited coaches, Tony Barbie, Kristen Haney, ready to go. Kristen in her first year, and really going to be fun to watch her take a grasp on Central Michigan women's basketball as, you know, she spent time here for a few years under Coach G, and now she gets the reins of the program in her first head coaching job. And for Tony Barbie, he mentioned it, year three, this is usually the time where things start to turn in your direction. You can hear the excitement in his voice, the depth that they have, the shooting that they have, the buy-in that they have, and uh, they seem hungry and poised to come out and hopefully do some things that the Mid-American Conference isn't expecting as they were picked at the bottom, as were the Central Michigan women. But you go in, no expectations, you believe in yourselves, and we'll see what CMU women and men can do on the hardwood this winter. Can't wait to watch him play. Thanks so much again for stopping in for another episode of Chatting Chipwise. Enjoy the rest of your week, and of course, fire up chips.